reporter Kelsey Ray here from the Colorado Independent. We're back for another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Carrie Ann Lucas, perhaps Colorado's highest profile disability rights activist. Thanks for being here today, Carrie Ann. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Lucas works as an attorney in the Office of Respondent Parents Council in Denver. She has a degenerative neuromuscular disease that requires her to use a wheelchair and breathe through a ventilator. She is also one of the 10 activists arrested last week after a more than two-day sit-in in in Senator Cory Gardner's office. And Carrie, I was hoping you could tell listeners who may have been under a rock last week and missed that, what exactly happened last week? Well, I was with the organization ADAPT, and we went to Senator Gardner's office to get a commitment from him that he would vote no on the BCRA, which is the Senate version of the Health Care Act that's before the Senate right now. ADAPT is a nationwide organization of which you're part of Denver's chapter, and, and these protests have been happening across the country. Can you kind of tell me about the origin of these protests and where the idea came from? Well, ADAPT actually has its origins here in Denver. In fact, uh, 39 years ago today, uh, ADAPT activists shut down the intersection of Colfax and Broadway for two days uh, to advocate for lifts on buses. And in, in most recent years, for the last 30 years or so, ADAPT has been working on issues of attendant care and the right to, for disabled people to live in our own homes in the community as opposed to institutions. So for the last few weeks, and really all this year, ADAPT has been really focused on the health care bills that have been proposed and suggested. So uh, a week or two weeks ago, ADAPT was at Senator McConnell's office in Washington, D.C., where 43 uh, disabled people were arrested from his office. And then last week, uh, 10 of us here in Denver, or nine of us were in the office here in Denver, 10 of us were arrested for protesting at Senator Gardner's office. During your protest, you you were you were forcibly removed from his office, but you had basically said that you would stay in the office until you received confirmation that he would vote no on the health care bill. What kind of communication did you have with Senator Gardner throughout that time or since then? Well, we've had no actual communication with Senator Gardner during that time or since then. We did have communication with his staff members and in particular with his state uh, director, uh, Andy Merritt. But uh, other than we've not had any communication from Senator Gardner, which has been a common complaint of constituents here in Colorado. I'm one of the many people who have been calling and writing and emailing and faxing his office with no response, no one picking up the phone. Uh, he's not had any town halls, so he's certainly not listening to his constituents. And ADAPT has, has met with him once by chasing him down on the street to get his position. So Don Russell from ADAPT chased him down the street and cornered him on the street in Washington, D.C. to get his, to get a position from him earlier this year. And then they also ran into him on the plane on the way back from protesting at Senator McConnell's office. In at least one news story about this event, Senator Gardner's office said that the senator has met with your group. Is Are those the incidents that he's talking about? Those yeah. ones where ad- ADAPT folks actually tried to track him down? Right. Where, where our folks have chased him down the street to get his position, that's what he's calling a meeting. I've heard some top Democrats say that part of the reason for the delay in the Senate health care vote, which was expected last week, was partly due to some of these protests by ADAPT activists across the country. What impact do you guys think you'll have and what are your next steps? Well, we certainly 
I would like to think that part of our opposition has had a had a piece in delaying the vote. Uh, we're also concerned that when that happened in the House, they came back with a even more draconian bill the second time around because many of the people opposed to the bill believe it does not go far enough in cutting the services we need to live our lives in the community. You're an attorney and you read a lot. And you've told me in previous interviews that you have read the entire Senate bill as well as as the entire House bill and all of the Affordable Care Act, possibly from accusations from folks that say, you know, who who like to say that people haven't actually read those bills. But you have. have. Can you put the Senate bill as it stands now into context of what we have right now with Obamacare and what we've seen with with the House bill, you know, for, for people that don't really understand what's different? Well, it certainly removes things like the individual mandates. It also, like the House bill, allows states to create waivers to prevent insurers from covering pre-existing conditions. But in the Senate bill in particular, the Medicaid cuts are particularly draconian. So the Medicaid cuts are approximately $800 billion over the next several years. And in Colorado, our budget can't absorb those cuts. And the reason why we're afraid of institutionalization is under the Medicaid rules that institutionalization, placement in a nursing home or institution is a mandated covered service by Medicaid, but home and community-based services, those services that allow us to live in the community, which are cheaper to provide to us, are not mandated. So because those are not mandated, we could see a situation where they, those are no longer covered, those are no longer provided, and our only option for care is then to be in nursing homes and other institutions. Well, we're also going to see rate cuts because there's no way that the current rates can be upheld with the cuts in, in Medicare and the Medicaid spending. So with the Medicaid spending decreasing, we're going to see rates paid to facilities decrease. So already we have problems with people being abused and neglected. In institutional settings, it's going to be much worse. You told me in a previous interview, in institutionalized care, people die faster. Is that true? Absolutely. We have a long history of of people being in institutions in this country. Nellie Bly was an investigative reporter in the 1880s who first made a name for herself investigating conditions in a New York City uh, psychiatric institution, which at that time, psychiatric institutions also served people with other disabilities as well. Geraldo Rivera made his first break doing an expose of the conditions at Willowbrook, which were really no different than the conditions that were at Ridge Home or the or the Pueblo Center for, it, it, it's now the Pueblo Regional Center, or any of those types of facilities that we have here in Colorado where people are abused and neglected in very horrible ways. And so that's why that's why people die quick is because they do not get the necessary care in those types of facilities. Mm-hmm. And I want to back up a little bit. You alluded to this issue that if these cuts are passed, you and other folks in your situation won't have the same, won't have access to the same attendant care. Can you talk about what attendant care is and why this is such an important piece of the Medicaid cuts? So attendant care is the type of care that we receive in our homes. And in Colorado, we have a a waiver that allows people to hire non-nurses. So for example, I'm a person on a ventilator. If I were, say, going through a home health agency, all of my care would have to be by a nurse, or if I were in a hospital or other setting, all my care would have to be by a nurse. But through these, through some of the waivers, we we can hire lay people, which is substantially cheaper to the community. 
And the attendant care helps me get out of bed, helps me shower, helps me cook, helps me take my medications, helps manage my ventilator, so fixes alarms on it, helps if it disconnects, things like that. Uh, so that's the, those are the kinds of services that we're talking about, those things that help us get out of bed in the morning and help us get back into bed at night and help us live our, live our lives. And without that, I, I couldn't be working. I, and I'm not in any other benefits. The only benefit I receive is, is Medicaid. I'm not on food stamps or housing assistance or even Social Security. I receive just Medicaid, and I pay a premium to access that, like many of us who work. Uh, and so without that, then we're forced back onto benefits and into the only place without that attendant care, then we're facing institutionalization. Last week, as you were in Cory Gardner's office, did you expect that you would actually be arrested? And was the process of being arrested what you would have expected? Well, whenever we engage in civil disobedience like a sit-in, there's always the possibility of there being an arrest. In fact, they threatened us with arrest on the first day and then did not. Uh, so that I'm not surprised about. Um, the actual process of the arrest, I, I've seen it be rougher. I've seen it be worse. Um, I've also seen it be better. So I would say it's kind of middle of the road. I, I've engaged in a lot of civil disobedience over the years, although I haven't since I went to law school. for So for the last 17 years, I have not engaged in civil disobedience, but I had prior to that point as a younger adult, I had. So it's it's not, and, I, and I've been a legal observer many times. So I've seen the police in Denver be much rougher to protesters for certain you were arrested along with nine others that night, but you were not actually booked uh, because the Denver jail wanted you. They were concerned yeah. about your ventilator. Yeah, the Denver sheriff would not accept custody of me because of my ventilator. I'm curious, though, about the other activists who did spend time in that jail. Can you, if you know, talk about what their experience was? And they, they were not released as expected. Uh, we sent a reporter there at, I think, eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock in the morning, and they were, let's just say they were not released on time. So our, our understood, we got confirmation that everyone cleared booking, so they, they cleared their background checks, they cleared their fingerprints and everything, and, and were eligible for bonding at 9 o'clock that morning. They weren't released until 2 a.m. the following morning, so they spent 30 hours in jail. What do you make of that? I think it was an unreasonable delay. I don't think the explanations the Denver Sheriff's Department has produced are, are adequate explanations for the extended uh, detention. These are all folks who were released who had personal recognizance bonds granted, so should have been released at that time. Usually the holdup is getting those background checks. Those background checks were completed 15 hours before they were released, 15, 17 hours before they were released. There are pieces of this healthcare bill that are specifically potentially very detrimental to you personally, but obviously there are aspects of this bill that would have huge implications for many Americans. Can you talk about some of those other concerns, um, specifically maybe how they relate to your children? Well, uh, first of all, Medicaid in Colorado. Um, Medicaid covers 50% of the births in Colorado. Medicaid covers 30% of rural Coloradans. That's the primary insurance for 30% of people in rural Colorado. It covers 60% of disabled children and covers 30% of, of disabled adults. In, in looking at disabled adults, and those are largely people who are reliant on things like home and community-based services and nursing home care, Medicaid is the largest funder of long-term care in this country. So when even middle-class families, when somebody 
when somebody is elderly after they've ex- spent all their resources, then they go on Medicaid. So that's the primary funder for things like nursing homes. So we stand a lot to lose as a state. We don't have other ways to pick up the gap, but we hear a lot of times, I think, Killian Conway, oh, well, they'll just go get a job. Well, those disabled children are not just going to go get a job, and a lot of their parents can't get a job because they're staying home to take care of those disabled children. Most of the disabled adults on the on Medicaid are working. All of the able-bodied adults are working. Almost all these rural folks are working. The people who are not working are people who have very severe disabilities, like one of my daughters who has a chromosome disorder who has a severe intellectual disability. She is not working. She's on SSI, and she lives in her own home, and with the help of attendant care through Medicaid, is able to live in her own home. If she loses that, then she'll be forced into an institution. Right. You said that as an attorney, you've avoided protests and actions that would put you at the risk of arrest because you're an attorney and that's that's frowned upon. But last week, you sort of changed your mind on that. You put yourself in a situation and actually you were arrested in this in this action. Why were you willing to put yourself in the risk of arrest and be arrested for this cause in particular? I've always been able to play a different role as an attorney, either as a legal observer or representing people who've been arrested. We're running out of time on this bill, and a law license does me no good if I'm locked up in an institution or if I'm dead. So I'm putting it all out there on the line because we have no other choice at this point. Our lives are truly on the line. Thanks for being here today, Carrie Ann. Thank you for having me. You can read more about our coverage of the ADAPT protests at coloradoindependent.com, and you can go to adapt.org to learn more about their organization. The Colorado Independent is a nonprofit newsroom, so if you are inclined, you can throw us a quick, easy, tax-deductible donation at coloradoindependent.com donate. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.